Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, all. Welcome back to Untying Knots and this very, very special and very short, hastily put together episode uh, where we're going to be doing our favorite thing of Thera blurting out. Uh, but before I get into that, I want to remind everyone that this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes and does not constitute working with a licensed marriage and family therapist or a therapist in or mental professional in your area, and especially a geeky one, too. So please seek out one, and especially if you're a geek, we have geek therapists there to support you. So seek us out. So once more, as I said, we're Theraplurting out, and I'm pleased to introduce my co-pilot, co-host, co-blurred, the doctor, Mercedes Salmudio. And... Mercedes is a licensed clinical social worker and now a doctor with a PhD, best-selling author, international speaker, and visionary entrepreneur. She works with parents around the world to develop a healthy parental identity with their with her revolutionary parental identity development model and encouragement of her shame-proof parenting philosophy to help reduce the shame parents experience as they raise healthy children. Otherwise, beyond all the work that's been done now to get her doctorate, uh, outside of that, she is a supporting parent, uh, married with her soulmate. They live in Southern California with their three furry kids, two dogs, uh, two cats and a dog. And if you want to learn more about what this, our PhD doctor here has to share with you, check out shameproofparenting.com. Welcome back, Mercedes. Yay. I love that I get to say like Dr. Mercedes now. Having like a doctor in social work is like a whole nother experience. It's like, all right, I've done it. Yep. Well, at some point, I'll probably go for a doctorate. Well, I'm just not sure what in because I'm just feeling like it doesn't, I don't feel like it's going to be in psychology. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be something else, but I just don't know what yet. Well, if you want to do the DSW, let me know. We can talk about it. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but as this is, we're here to talk about the recent movie, The Marvels. And so let's start out by also prefacing that we probably may hit some spoilers in this as we discuss this. And, you know, if you haven't had a chance to go watch it, hopefully these spoilers will be things that help you want to go see it. As opposed to listening to, let us be frank, trolls who are having an issue with this movie. God, yeah. Yeah. So I very much enjoyed it. Uh, I admit that um, I've missed a couple of the MCU television ones, like the Secret Wars, just because of a bunch of other stuff that was going on. So there's some stuff with the history of the scrolls and, and shall we say some of the advancements in technology that showed up in this that uh, I missed. But I did watch Miss Marvel, the uh, television series, which I also very much loved. And gets wrapped up into this these are all the characters that in the history of the comic books have bore the name captain marvel or marvel and getting to like have some more fun with what they look like um on screen i think right mm -hmm. so like if you didn't see all of that and, and i kind of want to talk about that too because 
I have caught up with everything. I'm I'm actually mm-hmm. all way caught up with Secret Invasion, with Loki season two. No spoilers, but totally watch that. Um, and I'll say this: it will be beneficial to watch Secret Invasion, Miss Marvel, and even Loki mm-hmm. for this one if you have the chance to. If you don't. I think it might be good for us to frame kind of wherever you are in your MCU watching this movie, I think is really essential viewing because it still kind of follows the Captain Marvel storyline. If you've been following that, even if you haven't followed mm-hmm. some of the other stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's also one of the things that makes people feel how they have issues with following comic books is where did you join the story or did you manage the story to join the story at the beginning of it? And you know, Good comic books, you don't always have to know everything and every component and every thread from the previous ones. As they did in this one, there is definitely a fast flashbacks in different ways that will show allow you to be able to connect into the threads. I agree. I agree. And I think that's one of the reasons why I really like this movie. And I agree with people who can get can bypass some of the negative kind of like vitriol that's kind of getting thrown at the movie and just pay attention to the fact that even if you're not caught up on the MCU, this movie really is a really great standalone movie. It's not, it's not as standalone as maybe some of like the earlier movies are, but it Mm -hmm. has a good heart to it that you can still pay attention to the storyline happening in this movie and still pay attention to, okay, I see what the stakes are. I see why these characters are feeling this way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that may also be one of those aspects, too, that the there is much more focus on the storyline as opposed to just being the action sequences uh, that some of the other movies have de- I've clearly shown. I think that's also one of the things we saw even with Wakanda Forever. There is a focus on a storyline, not just something exploding and Galactus making an appearance. Not that Galactus makes an appearance in this, but just for those who know what the reference I'm talking about. And I think that's something too, that my husband and I both really noticed when we watched it, that this movie felt more character driven. It felt more story driven. Um, He said something that I know we'll get to as we're talking, but he said, this felt like a movie that had a female really like perspective and it didn't care. Right. The mm-hmm. was very female perspective. And it was like, yes, you're watching it from the lens of these three really clearly identified women who have different motivations and different levels of family interactions and different levels of history. But they're all coming together. And even for if, if you give the villain right that credit mm-hmm. to it, they're all coming together to figure out how do we manage all of this. And so I love that my husband even had that where he came out of it thinking this was a very female movie in a way that it came from that perspective. It came from that lens. And I think you just shared that with us kind of moving away from the action piece of it, where that piece of it supports the story as opposed to it just being a spectacle, right? For Just to have that happen. Well, you know, I'm going to push it even further. There's a fifth perspective because in this movie, we also get Miss Marvel's mother too. Yeah, yeah, and sort of the C storyline that's going on there that involves uh, Kamala Khan's family and Nick Fury. Yes, yes, and I love that too. I I really appreciate you adding that perspective too because she plays a huge role, not just here, but I think in uh, Kamala's life, right? Mm-hmm. Like Kamala's life, where in her show. 
her mom was a huge piece of where are you? What is going on with you? How are you doing? Are you paying attention? Even mm-hmm. once her family figures out that she's Miss Marvel, right? She's the one who's been saving the city. They're still really concerned about who she is, if she's staying true to herself. Um, mm-hmm. Even at one point, I think when they were questioning her, they wanted to make sure that Captain Marvel wasn't pressuring her, right? Is she mm-hmm. pressuring you? Is she making you do these things? And I think that that perspective, right, that fifth um, female perspective, that mother perspective is something that all of the Marvel mo- movies miss, right? None of the superheroes have family, except for maybe Spider-Man, right? But have that family that's mm-hmm. there to care about what happens to them after they finish crime fighting, after they finish doing the big action. Like, who really cares about this person when they come home? Or even when during it. Um, yeah. I mean, we got a glimpse of that with the Hawkeye series when he's constantly calling back to his wife and having conversations. But yeah, you don't get that in most of these other stories. I agree. And actually, you know, correction, let me say, I'm going to throw in six because that we do get flashbacks to Monica's mother as well. Yeah. I love that. I love the depth that we're finding here, too, because I think as we find what is the perspective here, what I'm hearing and what I continue to feel into is the perspective is that we don't have to sacrifice our emotions and who we are as full humans to show up in these extraordinary ways. Right. Mm -hmm. Like even that bringing in uh, Monica during her battle. Right. We didn't mm-hmm. see that. We just knew that that's what happened. Right. And we knew that. I mean, Maria, uh, we knew that mm-hmm. that's what happened to Maria. Right. That she had fought cancer, but it happened that that Monica had gotten snapped and was gone when her mom passed. So we didn't know all of that. And so I think it's really interesting to see her perspective, too. Um, I want to bring that back, too, because there's something that happens in that flashback that I think we could talk about in terms of intersectionality. Like, well, let's. Let's go there now. Okay. Um, When in the first movie in Captain Marvel, there's this wonderful discussion between Maria and Carol about how Carol ended up being the one in the cockpit when Uh it went down. And it was because they were racing. Carol took a shortcut. She got to the hangar first, right? So since she got to the hangar Uh first, she got to be on the flight. That's how she ended up becoming Miss Marvel. I mean, Captain Marvel, Uh all of that. Um, It's brought up again here in this Uh story, right? Where, while she is telling her, while Maria is saying to Carol, hey, the cancer's back, you know, if I might not make it this time, Carol says, I wish you had been Captain Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. This idea that it, the only reason why it happened is because I cheated, you know, I took that shortcut. And for Maria to be so sure of herself and have so much integrity to say, that's not at all who I wanted to be. That was your journey. This mm-hmm. is Right. This is what I was supposed to be. I was supposed to be captain in the Air Force. Right. Because they Mm. both were dealing with the fact that they were two women in the Air Force when women could not fly. Right. So this movie takes Captain Marvel takes place in the 90s. Right. Uh, When they're still trying to figure out how do women show up in the Air Force and fly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for Maria, she got to do her Captain Marvel bit down here, right? She got mm-hmm. to the Air Force, she got to start a sword and be really good on that. We know from WandaVision that she went by Photon, even at mm-hmm. uh, Sword, right? She, she kind of did all of that stuff, but she did it here. She didn't have to go out into the world. She didn't have to be Captain Marvel. Um, my final And thought. got to instill so much of that into Monica as well. Yeah, yeah, right? So then you see her daughter do that, right? Mm-hmm. Her really kind of do both. Her daughter got to be a part of Saber Sword, and now the Marvels. She is now part of the Marvels, right? She's now like kind of the full realization of it. 
And I love mm-hmm. that Carol says that to her. Your mom would be so proud, right? As she kind mm-hmm. of gets full power there because that's that full circle moment, right? That she got to see, she didn't get to see Maria do that, right? She was off being Captain Marvel. She didn't get to mm-hmm. see Maria show up that way. And when she finally came back, Maria had cancer. Maria was kind of battling that, but she does get to see her niece, Monica, do it. She gets to see her mm-hmm. niece finally kind of make that full realization, if you will. But also in that scene, we also get the thing that Monica was missing Mm -hmm. is in knowing that Carol was there for her mother when she got blipped. Yes, during that scene when they were um, all kind of mind melded together. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that there that Carol was actually there. Yeah, not thinking that she wasn't because obviously when Monica came back, every this was after. Thanos had been beat. Yes. So there's that five-year gap in history in, in this universe where she doesn't know what happened, what were the exchanges, and that her mother didn't die alone. Yeah. And that they even had a discussion on what would happen, right? Take Goose, mm-hmm. I want you to do this, I want you to kind of do that. They kind of had that that final discussion because Maria was coming to terms with the cancer's back. I might mm-hmm. not make it. Right, take the cat, right? And so I kind of Well, we don't know. That's not truly a cat, mind you. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like one. Take the cat. (laughs) Exactly. But I I really appreciate that too. And again, I think as we bring in these scenes, it continues to kind of solidify how this the perspective of this movie is totally different, right? The perspective just continues to enhance, I think, and shed light on the depth of what it means to be kind of a female, right? Or a female identifier, mm-hmm. right? Like these different spaces where you've got one who got to be a mom and a captain and then kind of lived her life and then is kind of battling this terminal illness. And then one who got to be a whole superhero, like a whole mm-hmm. super- outer space, right? Another one who did kind of a little bit of both. And then you've got this kid Right, who literally just by happenstance becomes some, you know, superhero and is a part of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, she's also kind of not um, the typical superhero either, right? She's this Muslim American uh, kid who is like not someone who you would think off the bat, even in this movie, when uh, Fury says they have surveillance on them, the, they both the parents are like, why do you have surveillance on us? Because of how they show up in the mm-hmm. world. I'm worrying about why are they monitoring my child, right? And mm-hmm. so I love that the perspective here comes from the female lived experience or the female identified lived experience. Kind of each of these stories, as we just wove in, comes from a woman or a female identified individual who's trying to figure out how she shows up in the world even mm-hmm. as the villain, right? is taking on, I'm the leader of my people. I have to do something, right? Mm-hmm. It's even that perspective of what does the female identify perspective look like as a villain, right? Mm-hmm. Villainous person, right? Is she a villain, right? Villains sometimes have some ideas, right? That mm-hmm. aren't, aren't great, but they're trying to help usually. Well, and that's a classic aspect, uh, especially of how, where we are now with the concept of a villain versus where it was where comic books originally started and a villain only had to be two-dimensional yeah yeah and equally what she shows too is not just the fact that she's multi-dimensional between her trying to defend her people when captain marvel came to deal with the supreme intelligence um 
but the aspect of what did it mean for her to rise to try and care for her people, which also brings in the maternal instinct as well. But what, but as we all know, there's that aspect of what will a mother do to protect her child? And that can look just as villainous as of, as it is before. But you can also see where our, uh, where she is also still trapped in her pain. So trapped in the pain and trapped in that trauma of seeing that. Like you see someone. I even love that they gave her the name, the Annihilator. That's mm-hmm. their perspective. That's her perspective of someone. You came and you annihilated my whole culture, my whole people. And then mm-hmm. you lost Right. And then he just flew off. And we, and she even, and Carol even says it ever since I've done that, they've been in a state of civil war. They've used all their resources just to stay alive. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you have Darbin who has had to live in that space. She's had to live in uh, Hala ever since that happened. Right. Mm-hmm. She had to rise up through the ranks. When we see her that day, she's kind of in uh, the same, uh, like ranking, you know, probably a lower level officer. But then she mm-hmm. rises from that to being the leader. Like she goes through that whole civil war that Carol kind of casually met mentions to become the leader, the person that everyone listens to and, and, and respects. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good aspect because we don't have those type of villains um, in the, the MCU. And they're definitely not of a different gender or social uh, location. They tend to be mostly male, right? But we've had Wanda and now Darwin mm-hmm. kind of be these really well, villains. actually... I would actually say before we even got to Darbin and then Wanda, we also had Hella and Taskmaster. I'll, I'll, do, I'll give myself Taskmaster. I would I would say was still in the falling into henchman range because okay, henchman. Okay, okay, green yeah, range because, even range. Yeah, well, because still the villain in that case wasn't really Taskmaster. They were the muscle. Okay, the villain okay. was quote unquote their her father who was running the Red Room. But in then, if you have wondering what we're talking about, go watch Black Widow. <laughs> um, yes, 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 yes. And I'll, I'll just give a side thing here. Please go black, watch Black Widow if you haven't seen it. Like, it's totally worth it, especially if you're digging kind of the idea of having a female perspective or a female identified perspective in a superhero movie. That has that as well. Exactly. <laughs> Which, and, uh, and I'll just jump back to this aspect. Even when we see Kamala dealing with Miss Marvel, we're watching a female, basically, how her form of being a fan manifests itself. There are ways that it's very similar to boys, but there's also very much the difference of wanting to have a friendship with the with their idol, as opposed to, I know for many men, there is a standpoint they want to be their idol. Yes. Yes, I love that that uh, concept. And I think what I really love is I am Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. Mercedes, Dr. Mercedes Samudio is Miss Marvel. Like, I am a fangirl. I try to go to cons when I'm not completely overwhelmed by them. I, like, have all this stuff in my house. If I was as good of a drawer as uh, Kamala, I'd probably draw a lot more and, and do all of mm-hmm. that. I love that this character leans into that. And not only that, throughout the whole movie, no one teases her for that. Mm-hmm. No one teases her. No one says, stop all that fangirling. No one says, you need to stop. It's so annoying. She or that does- she needs to grow up. Yeah, or that she needs to grow up. She does it the whole movie. Even in the height of a battle, she sees you know Captain Marvel show up and do something. She goes, Captain, my captain. And I'm like, <laughs> she's just fangirling the whole movie. But 
She also knows when to show up and when to say, okay, this is the time to show up. This is the time to fangirl. This is the time to really be a part of who I am. And so I appreciate uh, her whole characterization because that gets to be exactly who I am, right? It's really this great representation of this is what it means to be a fangirl. Yes, we get teased for probably being too obsessive, right? Yes, we might be so into it that we only fantasize about being friends with these superheroes. But at the same time, there's this genuineness and this authenticity that you see in this character who not only idolizes and looks up to this character, but has completely created her whole superhero identity around, I want to show up like Captain Marvel. I want to help people. I want to be there when the crime is there. I want to make sure that my people are supportive. And it gets to be her, uh-huh. right, doing that. And so I love that that fangirl kind of space gets to also show itself in how she's developed her identity as a superhero, right? Because she loves it so much. She, it, she's even more you know, into being a superhero and really using her powers this way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on another level of that, also how they deal with the, um, how they handled the hero's dilemma. Mm-hmm. That was and especially, and especially that element of the mentorship of how does the seasoned hero deal help and deal with the new <laughs> novice hero. I mean, we got a bit of that in her, in Miss Marvel's series, but really that critical choice that must come with the hero's dilemma, who do you save? Yeah. Because you cannot save everybody. Yeah. And I just really love that you brought that in. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, I love that scene. I love everything about that scene because it wasn't just her having a hero's dilemma. It was also Carol. Because as mm-hmm. soon as she was down, they were like, what did you do, man? We were trying to work this out. What are you doing? You're just coming in here and blasting your way through everything, which is how Holla got messed up, right? Because she mm-hmm. blasted her way through it. And so while Carol is sitting here doing what you just said, she's deciding, who do I save? And making these, these snap decisions, she actually didn't even have to come in there and do that, right? Mm-hmm. Created this whole situation where she keeps having to be the hero. And I want to pay mm-hmm. to that because Brie Larson is standing at the social location where that's actually what happens to a lot of cis-het white women, where they are like, I'm here, I'm ready to help. And so I actually really appreciate Brie Larson holding that social location and that kind of identity of, yes, yeah, sometimes we don't need to be helping. Sometimes we need to slow down enough just to say, what is happening first? So. Mm-hmm. As a result of Carol doing that, now you've got Kamala who has to figure out how do I become a hero when there's so much chaos happening? How do I hero, right? Mm-hmm. Even love that Carol yells at her. You can only do this. You can only say what you can say. That wasn't her telling her anything about being a hero. That was Carol really having to reckon with the fact that that's what she keeps herself in that cycle of only being able to save so many people, only being able to save so many people, never being able to do enough. She even yells that, right? So you think about that mentor right? Where I've looked up to you my whole life. And now I get to watch you decide who gets to live or who gets to die, right? Uh What I love about this storytelling is we don't just leave it there. They actually have a really good scene where they talk about that wasn't the best decision. And Carol has to reckon with, I make decisions like this all the time. The Uh guilt is overwhelming to me. I didn't want to come back to earth, Monica, and show you this guilt and show you who I was. Uh Right. She has to reckon with the fact that, yeah, you've been a superhero, right? You, you have a superhero problem where you just show up, help, and then leave. Mm-hmm. Which I will also, 
which right. I also say they is a situation that came up in the comic book series. I I remember reading the synopsis on it where Captain Marvel shows up on an alien world saying, uh, "I'm here to help," and the leader of the planet says, "Okay, did you bring the doctors and medical people for my people?" No. Did you bring the civil engineers and the mechanical things to rebuild my civilization? No. Did you bring the weaponry for us to fight back with against everyone who has now caused our society to be in this? No. I just came. It's like, well, you got good intent, but you didn't have the impact. And from what I understand in the series, she then spends the next umpteen number of months to years being there doing each one of those things being each one of those things and building relationships with the people of that, of that world. Right. Which if we can kind of pull this out to a real world issue, that's where actually what true activism and true allyship is, right? Allyship and activism isn't me telling Perry, this is what you need. And I'm going to help you with this. Right. Mm-hmm. I've done it now so I can leave and move to the next group. Right. Because mm-hmm. I mean, allyship is sitting and saying, what's happening here and where are the supports? Where are the gaps, right? Where can I actually fit myself in as opposed to me telling people, this is where I'm going to be. And I think Captain Marvel had to deal with that in this movie, right? This idea of you were just telling people, I'm here to help, as you said, Mm. like in comics, and then causing a lot more chaos, right? Then support. Which comes back into that same aspect of who do you save and who don't you when that second battle comes up and it's up to as the paralyzation of uh captain marvel is i have to keep this from happening again versus we need to get away and it's kamala who has to hit the jump gate maneuver spoilers yeah yeah and even in that right think about the the weight of that right so i've seen you do this before i've seen you rush in before now we're at this level where i like all three of us could be hurt and i have to make this decision it's why I kind of love that that discussion that they have on the planet when it's like, you can't keep making decisions like this. You keep making mm. singular decisions that affect groups of people. Whole, even, even her marrying, uh, again, spoiler alert, the prince, right? Mm-hmm. She does one singular thing. Now, every time she comes there, the whole town has to stop and care about her, right? Because mm-hmm. she does one thing. And so even something that positive, right? It seems pretty neutral and innocuous, because she did that, Darbin now targeted that planet, right? Because mm-hmm. she tied herself to this. So it's like these singular decisions that she makes keeps this cycle going where she has to keep making decisions. Like, who do I save? Because I'm not slowing down enough to see all of these decisions that I'm making. Mm-hmm. Sounds parallel to trauma, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and I think that's the, the big thing is that there is the fundamental aspect of also where is Darminder and Captain Marvel mirrors of each other around trauma yes there is the trauma that is fundamentally been caused by the kree to her by attacking her on earth taking her from earth doing the blood transfusion that gives her the kree abilities uh brainwashing her yep and then turning her into a living weapon as well against the scroll yeah So there's all that trauma from there. And then, of course, the Darbenders one is like, I've just seen you destroy our our central intelligence, our thing that has governed our people for a thousand years. I have seen that what you've done now caused a civil war. 
and I'm trying to at least keep my people alive. And yeah, I'm choosing to sacrifice these other people, all the quote-unquote enemies of my people, to keep my people alive. Right. Which comes back to both of them are acting out of trauma. Yeah. But there's also that standpoint that there is no clean lines. No, there really aren't. Again, going back to what you just said, it's like that because of Carol's trauma, she literally did something to a whole civilization that caused trauma for generations. Right? Mm. It caused trauma for a whole civilization. So now you have a character. And, you know, I kind of feel like that happened with uh, Thanos as well. Mm-hmm. It happened with Killmonger as well, right? Mm-hmm. Characters who have held their trauma for so long that it's metastasized into I don't care who gets hurt, right? Where Killmonger was ready to use every ounce of vibranium to attack the world, right? Where Thanos mm-hmm. was like, I'm snapping everybody away so this never happens again. And now mm-hmm. our men who's like, I will take resources from every planet so my people do not die again. Mm-hmm. All of those are from these kind of inner children or, or these tra- traumatized people who just don't want to see this happen again to their people. Well, I think that this may be also one of the bigger things that is also becoming uh, stuff that people are struggling with is the fact that the matter is that we've all been sort of fed this idea of what a hero is, and especially a superhero. And the reality of what that actually means is not as much of that pure black and white as we understood as kids. And especially as we're seeing these stories now getting on the big screen to try and be appealing to multiple audiences, this means that those illusions about what it means for our heroes and what these heroic history and not being aware of the consequences right. is something that a lot of people are struggling with when they think about what we're seeing with the com- with the stories now versus what's been going on in the comic books for nearly half a century. Right, right where heroes never get questioned, right? They cause all this destruction, but because they save the day, we just mm-hmm. let them the hook. And I think the MCU plays around in that. But I remember in She-Hulk, that was kind of what she said. She said, why, why are all of the superheroes, these, you know, men with all this money who were like traumatized orphans, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. how all the major superheroes, right? They're, they're usually cis white men who have some type of childhood trauma, have some type of thing that they feel slighted against that they've been holding on to, but their superhero-ness usually comes from that brokenness. It usually comes from, like Batman, his parents were murdered, Mm -hmm. right? Where his comes from, right? Tony Stark, he was a prisoner of war, right? And so he comes out of that. Even Captain America, he was like the most sickly kid on earth who had lost his parents and just had no hope but to enlist in the army and hope that he could do something. Right. So you've got all these superheroes who are coming from this really painful place who just don't, again, want to see it happen again. Mm-hmm. They, they're doing it nobly. Whereas the villain, as we often think, you know, quote unquote, the villain, they're doing it from a not so noble place. Right. But I like that that storytelling is becoming more blurred. Right. Because you're looking at Captain Marvel and you're like, well, you literally caused the Civil War. Right. You literally kind of Batman your own villain. Right. You call the civil mm. war that caused Darbin to finally kind of rise up and save her people. Right. Mm-hmm. So now is the hero. If you think about the people on Hala, it's Darbin. She's their hero. Mm-hmm. Right. She's their Captain Marvel. <laughs> right. It's not her. Captain Marvel's the annihilator. 
for them. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they, that's the name they've given her, right? Mm-hmm. She's Captain Marvel to us, right? She's this great superhero that, you know, Kamala Khan looks up to and thinks has done amazing things and has been with the Avengers and saved the world, right? But now you're on this mission with her and you're realizing she hasn't always saved the world. Some of it she's created. Mm-hmm. Right? Which I think is a very interesting place because as we pull around inspectors or what we do in therapy, that's always the challenge that we have when we are dealing with individuals and families who are dealing with trauma. And they're struggling with the aspect of, yeah, it was my parent who abused me. That's also the parent who took me to see my first movie, took me to ride my Ferris wheel, who helped me ride my bike and... How do you deal with that duality and have that integrated and also realize that, especially in your core, there are some things that do not, they don't weigh together. You cannot weigh them together. There are some things you can, but there's others that we will diametrically be opposed to each other. Yeah. What do you do? How do you live? How do you see them? How do you see yourself? from that i love that concept what you're sharing because i think that's something that we hit a lot as you said in therapy this idea of how do i reconcile a relationship that has so much color and spectrum to it right Mm. it's it's not black and white right with parents it's not black and white and families for sure and i think oftentimes as you are are talking about as we're talking about the the grays of a hero and a villain I think that's something, too, that comes with healing, right? Being able to see the spectrum of a human's behavior, being able to see the full color of what someone may be doing, right? And so we're not just looking at your bad, you're good, you're right, you're wrong, right? Left, Mm -hmm. right, up, down. We're looking at what happens in in the intersections of all of that, right? Mm -hmm. With these extremes, what's happening? And I think that, to me, helps us heal more because we don't see each other as you're the bad guy and I'm the good guy. Right? Mm-hmm. We're now seeing each other as humans who are trying to get some type of need met. How we do that becomes, I think, the conflict, not so much whether we're good or bad, is how am I trying to get this need met? Right. So in the superhero world, how am I trying to save my people or how am I trying to, you know, save the world? But I think in mm-hmm. families, it's how am I trying to get love? How am I trying to get attention? How am I trying to get you to understand what happened to me? Right. Mm-hmm. How am I trying to get you to do that? That perspective, I think, helps us to change how we we approach conflict in in these interdependent relationships. And equally, how as a parent, I'm supposed to keep you safe. I'm supposed to make sure you have a future, which, again, we get to see an element of this with Kamala's family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her mom being really concerned, again, about what are you doing? Is this safe? Right. Even them getting Nick to bring them up, up with her. So if she's going to be out there, so are we, right? So mm-hmm. she's in space, we're in space too, right? And so I- Exactly. Right? They didn't stay on earth. They were like, nope, if she's up there, then we're going up there too, right? Constantly checking in, right? When mm-hmm. she, are you okay? Where's everybody else, right? I, I think definitely, and even the conflict um, of talking about it, right? When Kamala is trying to explain to her parents what's going to happen. I'm going to go with them. We're going to do this. We're going to try to save these people, 
even her mom saying, well, you better do it this way and you better listen and this better not happen this way, right? Mm -hmm. This that even in this conflict, they're able to understand that their daughter is kind of a special person and she has to kind of do this, right? They want her to be safe. But I think here we get to see what does that conflict look like? It's not easy to let your kid do this. It's not easy to let your kid drive for the first time. It's not easy to let your kid go to college. And here they are letting their kid go off to space to try to save a whole alien race. Right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. There's a huge conflict here that I think and I appreciate in, in this family where they talk about it. We don't like that you're doing this, but we understand this is what you're doing. We're worried about you, but we see that you've got two adults who are going to be there with you, right? There's no sugarcoating. It's no black or white. They are worried. They are scared. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they know that the best thing they can do is support her so she gets back home. <laughs> like that is so much more nuanced than just mm-hmm. you get back here and do what we say, right? It's, it's mm-hmm integral and it shows that this is how families work. We don't work by just saying yes or no. We work by really trying to negotiate. How do we do this with each other? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's a perfect place for us to take a break. So come back for our second half as we continue to discuss some of these other elements of the Marvel's movie here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with Dr. Mercedes Samudio of Shameproof Parenting. So stay tuned. we got so much more and other things we want to talk about as well about this movie. So stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. America at facebook.com forward slash voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, all. Welcome back to the second half of Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered as we talk about the Marvels. 
here with, and I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with Dr. Salmudio. So me, Mercedes, you've heard some of our other episodes as well, but we're here back to talk, uh, continue our talk about the Marvels, both as blurs, as mental health workers, and just as comic geeks as well, and people of color looking at the stories that are going on around us. And again, we know that there's a lot of controversy about the ratings that have come up for this movie. And again, encourage you, if some of what we've talked about has been inspiring, please go and watch it and put out new ratings. Because again, we're dealing with people and some who do not sit well with what this movie is actually presenting because it's not based off of them. And one of those big ones I know as I was watching it was the scene that took place on the uh, planet with the singing. And there comes a point where the three of them are standing there and the prince walks out and somehow Captain Marvel gets this beautiful gown and begins this dance number with um, the prince, who I know is a uh, major Korean pop singer. And just that moment, yeah, an actor. And just that moment of watching that is like, oh yeah, this is so much, I can see just how much they would be struggling with this because they would if this had been a world where he captain marvel was a male had married the princess it's like okay how scantily clad would she be have to be and how much would she have to be clinging to him and it would just be all about the sexuality instead here is that sense of we want to have fun we want to have dance we want to have the relationship yes Yes. And the whole, again, that I think goes back to the perspective of this movie. This perspective is from kind of a female identified lens, right? And I, and it lost on me that I haven't said this at this point, but it was directed by an African-American woman who's 30. Like I think the youngest director mm-hmm. and, um, and a female, uh, African-American female. And so mm-hmm. Mia Ooh, has actually. this wonderful, you know, um, lens here where we've seen this before if we go back to captain marvel being the quintessential hero on Mm -hmm. that happens right the hero has always the the suave charismatic person who goes to all these different lands and meets all these different women right they usually are in some type of arranged marriage when they go Mm -hmm. always part of the hijinks of the male Mm -hmm character to go to this thing and be married to this girl and she's kind of ugly and not that cute but i had to marry her and it's all mm. that we're used to seeing that now when you look at it with a more inclusive lens from an african-american black female perspective right who's directing this even looking at it with captain marvel it's well yeah i i had to come here i did it as a you know as a, as a political move so that way everything could continue going on for these families and it's a stark contrast to what she does at Hala and Hala she goes in there and just destroys everything here mm-hmm. doesn't do that here because of the way that this culture works the singing right and that's their language they don't just sing they only kind of sing that's their language mm-hmm. bilingual she says right he can speak without singing and he can speak in singing right and so I love all of that Right, that shows that when this hero, from a female identified perspective, does this, this is what takes precedent. What takes precedent is honoring this people's culture and speaking the language when I come here, um, dancing, being a part of it, right, putting on the regalia, mm-hmm. honoring and respecting that this is part of their culture, right? Even when she begins to speak, Monica says, 
you're not singing to him. And she goes, he's bilingual, right? Which mm-hmm. denotes that he can speak multiple languages, right? So she's not just married some random guy on the planet. Mm-hmm. So I share all these attributes as a, as a point to say, when you're looking at it from another lens, the scene that you described, right, mm-hmm. from the male perspective looks a certain way. But when you're looking at it from a female perspective, it looks a lot different. It gives more depth. It gives another lens to how does the hero manage their political relationships or their interpersonal relationships as they're going about heroing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what you also put out is Nikki, uh, Nikki DaCosta, is all, or Nia DaCosta, <laughs> is also the woman who directed the remake of Candy Milk. So we got horror to superhero showing quite a range. And, you know, I'm wondering if that crosses my mind now is that this and the Eternals were both highly panned movies, which were both done by female directors. And I can now think about it as I go back to look at mentally reround the Eternals in my head. There's so much more about relationships in that. Then again, just the action adventure, blow everything up. Yes. I love that you mentioned Eternals because I just watched it actually recently uh, over the past week. And not only are they female directors, they're BIPOC female directors. So Chloe mm-hmm. Zach, right, is uh, Asian American. I mean, our Asian identified uh, female. And then you have Nia DeCosta, who obviously is uh, African American or Black identified female. And so their lens on how even relationships look is different. And so even in the Eternals, you have more of a diverse set of characters even, right? Each person represents an Eternal, but they also mm-hmm. such more, right? Every one of them is a different type of identity, is a different person from a different social location, even how they show up in the in the world and talk to each other and support each other. And there's a lot of discussion in Eternals around feelings, around mm-hmm. who we are, around what do we what do we do and why are we doing this? And I think the same thing happens in Marvels, right? In the Marvels, there's a lot of discussions on why are we doing this? Is this right? Are we supposed to be, right? Who are we? And I think that speaks to the lens that these movies are being directed by. They're not being just directed by people who are just trying to say, this is us and this is who we are. They're also trying Mm -hmm. to bring forth more representation for each of these people at these different social locations. How do these people love how do how do how do these people believe and have faith and have hope? If all we're seeing is cis het white all the time, we never get to see other groups of people at other social locations live with the depth and the dimension that each of these movies gave us because they were directed by people with depth and dimension of other social locations, right? And so I love that. And also, how is the genre itself can be used in the other ways than always? It gets blown up. Someone, uh, the damsel in distress, which is another thing we've seen in a lot of movies that a lot of female heroines stepping forward to be able to take care of themselves and take care of the problem. Because yes. um, the other end, and because as you're saying that, it was the thought of things like, yeah, we're seeing how a girl or a female identified sees the adventures of a superhero. Yes. Yes, yes. And again, the, the the naysayers who are panning the movie are the ones who they're so locked into this as being the only narrative, which I would also ask is like, how much is that also what, and this is the therapy standpoint saying is like, how much is that how you're also viewing your life? Mm-hmm. That you are locked in a narrative of this and this alone. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the reason why representation is so important. So if you never see yourself reflected, where do you find the the space to say, I can be Captain Marvel one day, right? If I'm never reflected in this space, I can be Miss Marvel. I can be Black Panther even. Mm -hmm. I could be Ironheart, right? Like, I can be Shang-Chi, right? Like I can be all of these characters. I, my nephew is um, Vietnamese and he was so in love with Shang-Chi, even though that is not his identity um, mm -hmm. specifically. And seeing an Asian identified character as a superhero, mm -hmm. right? So different than what we normally see. And I think even with that movie, right? That movie did really well, but people still have a hard time with that one. That one doesn't get talked about as much as some of the mm -hmm. other and I think, again, just going back to this idea that when we allow, and again, that movie was directed by someone of a different social location too, I think mm -hmm. that's, um, is, Asian, is Asian identified as well. And so when you have these different lenses, then you get to see what does life look like from this perspective, right? What does life look like from this social location, right? Mm -hmm. I get to now as a director put people in front of my camera who get to then also represent these, these different depths that gives people so much more insight into what it might mean to exist at this social location, even if they're only seeing it through Miss Marvel. That's mm -hmm. a Muslim American person that has a different identity than what they've always been seeing and what they've always been mm -hmm. seeing, right? And the idea of them as a hero as well. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing happened in Moon Knight um, when mm -hmm. the superhero came out. That girl said, oh my yeah. God, he's a superhero. She's like, yep. That's exactly who I am, right? Mm -hmm. That's the representation that we're talking about by allowing, or not allowing, but like by having these stories be told by different voices and them being represented by different groups of people, right? I get to see myself reflected. So many kids are going to look at Eternals and be like, wow, I get to be an Eternal, right? How mm -hmm. amazing is that? Mm -hmm. And to that end, and we're gonna, I want to briefly end it because I know I want to get to the heavier section. That is the two of us uh, that we also had to sit with as we watched this was also the training montage that we started seeing there in them getting used to their powers switching on them yeah yeah they were having so much fun and again i just did look at this and it's like yeah had this been men this would have been turned into some sort of fight sequences where they're switching as opposed to you're learning how to switch and stay in motion and doing these things with catching a ball to doing double dutch having fun having mm -hmm. fun, right and i think that's something too that adds depth to what it means to be a superhero when you're looking at it from another lens and another perspective right so the male identified perspective usually says how do i become a superhero well i've got to test my might i've got to be the strongest i've got to know how to use all my powers all the time that's one perspective well this perspective is well what would it look like if three female identified people had the same power and they kept switching on them. What would that look like? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, it might look like them playing double dust to see if they could keep in sync. It might look like them juggling. Um, I even like them jumping on the bang bags, right. As mm -hmm. they make sure they both landed safely. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but then also realizing that that also came from them switching at times that were so inappropriate, they could actually hurt themselves. And mm -hmm. so the montage was a direct link to what they learned by switching earlier in the movie, right? Uh, at one scene, they switched while uh, Kamala was falling through the air. If she can't fall, mm -hmm. <laughs> so right. they don't figure out how to switch. 
that could continue to happen. They could switch at the most inopportune times. For me, that's a female perspective, right? That as we realize how we're interacting with each other, we need to actually slow down. And so our training montage is let's slow down. Let's do safe things as we learn how to switch. Let's not try to fly and switch because only one of us can fly right now or only two of us can fly. And so I like that because it shows that like these people care about each other. When we weren't paying attention to each other, we could actually hurt each other. Now that we're paying attention, we can do it safely. We can do it through double dutch or juggling or falling on beanbags. That's a lot safer of a way to learn how to switch (laughs) and fight each other or to hurt each other. We can already. Mm -hmm. Why don't we learn how to do it in a safer way and a a healthier way for each other? Mm -hmm. That's what that montage really showed me. Very much so. Now, let's go and talk about the subject of the matter that I know you and I, especially as people of color, especially as Black people of color, and even more so as a Black man and a Black woman talking about this, what we saw with Photon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the end, her being like the well, be- well, before we get to the end, <laughs> what, you, the, what we started seeing is her role in between in, in this group. She was the intelligent, she was the scientist, she was the intelligent one. She's the one who's figuring out what what's going on, how to get this in sync, how to do the technology, get the tech, keep the tech running and so forth. Yes. And and I'll say this, it was very representative of what it felt to be a black woman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, natural, right? She is very sure of herself, right? She's a dark-skinned black woman, which when you think about even within, right, that matters. Um even during the scene where all everyone was herding cats, she was very attentive. She <laughs> like paying attention to what's staying on the mission, right? Mm-hmm. Love that she got to be herself. While on one end, Kamala got to be the fangirl and really excited. Mm-hmm. Monica got to be quiet and introverted and knowledgeable and intellectual without anyone really bothering her. No one got mad at her. When she would say stuff, they would just kind of look at her and say, can you just give it to us our way? But they never made fun of her or said, you're doing too much or you're trying too hard. She mm-hmm. said the intelligent one. She always knew what was going on. When she saw the rift, she knew exactly what the name of it was and called it exactly its name, right? Mm-hmm. And just, well, it was just a riff, you know, in time for everyone else. But I love that for all three of them, they got to exist where they were, right? Mm-hmm. Not exuberant and loud and, you know, she's really quiet and, and, and reflective and introspective and knowledgeable and pretty much, like you said, holds the the knowledge base for the group, right? Whereas mm-hmm. I think Carol is the muscle. <laughs> she's mm-hmm. going to come in, she's going to punch and she's going to make everyone safe. And then you have Kamala that kind of gets to be the heart and the soul and, and the, the, the one who's like, we have to think about people. We have to care about people. All three of them got to be together and support mm-hmm. each other. Without telling the other person, you're doing too much of that. And that mm-hmm. appreciated too with their interplay dynamic because also it's representative of what it looks like to be strong and female in a group. There's a lot of mm-hmm. stereotypes around what it means to be female and strong and how women deal with that. And to see these really strong women all have superpowers, all mm-hmm. have knowledge of who they were and what they were about, but all kind of stayed in their space and showed up in their role in healthy ways. And I really appreciate it seeing that because this is what girls get to see moving forward. All three of these women didn't have to stop being themselves to be in a team together, right? They or have to be, or having ego take the path of that I have to be the one in charge. Because I know I also blink back to the episode of Justice League Unlimited, the cartoon where there was the disagreement that was going on between Black Canary and Huntress 
And then they find this female fighting ring that is using the various hero heroines as in kind um basically blood matches with each other even though they don't realize it and it's how did they resolve this aspect especially when the premier heroine the most dangerous all of the, all of them steps out as wonder woman and there came a point if i remember at the end of that episode they said okay so all the boys would be doing this about fighting so you want to do this fine how do we set the goal for it best two uh who's best two to three falls out of out of the out of their struggle but it was never about who draws first blood right 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 i think even in that space right that you find that female or female identified relationships we resolve things differently right and i say differently in a way that i think this is why the reviews happen the way they do people have a hard time seeing people resolve conflict in a way that isn't just fighting or punching Mm -hmm. their way through Right. And so I think when you have these other lenses, right, these female identified lenses, it gives us another look, even in the Justice League Unlimited episode, it gives us another look at how do we solve interpersonal relationships? Yeah, people fight. Yeah, people do that. But sometimes we actually call a draw or sometimes we just say, you know, Rochambeau. I think even that happened at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like, scissors, these papers, something like that, right? I think these are other ways that we're showing our world we can solve conflict. Yes, fighting still exists. There's no way to cut fighting out. We have to punch sometimes. Sometimes we got to fight. But I think Mm -hmm. what the Marvels and even the Eternal shows is that sometimes talking it out works too. Sometimes herding cats works too. Sometimes praying, right? I even love that scene where they were falling through sprays and they're like, are you praying? He's like, yeah, keep praying. Be yourself. <laughs> like, Bring that here too. We need that, right? Like all of those things show just how inclusive we can solve problems. Everybody got to solve the solution here at their level, whatever they were doing. And so for Kamala's family, they're like, we don't have superpowers that we can pray, right? And we can be supportive, right? And mm-hmm. Right? And so I, I like that aspect of how storytelling is showing that mm-hmm. yeah i think most of the time in the past it was always punch your way through but i mm-hmm. think we're opening it up to how else can we support conflict what else can we do here to manage mm-hmm. this and then of course so far we were about to allude to was that aspect of and again maybe giving a little bit of spoiler here in the standpoint of it's a black woman who's got to save them at the end of the movie who's got to make the ultimate choice and ultimate sacrifice we're not going to say what that sacrifice is and what that choice is but there comes in also an aspect of monica's choice and actions that need to happen to keep the world from keep the universe from splitting right 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 right. and again it's it's a it's a really delicate balance here because what you see is monica come to terms with who she is she comes to terms with her mom and not being able to be there as her mom has, you know, come to terms with her aunt and her aunt not being there the way she felt and do that whole hero's journey, if you will. And this is why I like Monica. Monica has a lot of acquired her hero's journey. She has mm-hmm. a more prospective, reflective hero's journey. It's not as loud and extroverted mm-hmm. uh, as maybe Captain Marvel's or even Kamala's. She's very introspective. She spends a lot of time understanding herself, figuring things out to the point where when she does make that final sacrifice, that's her hero sacrifice for herself. She's come mm-hmm. to thinking that this is what I want to do to mm-hmm. the world or be a part of it. Because like you said, she's been spending the whole movie paying attention to what Darbin was doing, paying attention to the mission, holding all the knowledge. She got on the other side of that space and re- realized this is what I have to do. 
right? And mm-hmm. realized she had the power to do it. And so I say it's a, it's a delicate space here because while the common stereotype is that Black women save the world and that we don't have to, I love that Monica makes that agency choice for herself as a result of her quiet, introspective journey that she's had throughout Mar- the Marvel's movie. This is why she does it, right? So I love that nuance of why she ends up doing it, if that makes sense. That's kind of how I see mm. it. Yeah. Oh, very much so. And equally, it's the same thing we saw when in uh, WandaVision, too. Yep. She was a lot quieter there, too, right? She wasn't always doing everything. She was a lot more like, this is what I, this is how I want to show up for you. Right. That's how she got her powers. Right. She refused to give up on Wanda. She refused mm. to give up on her. No matter what Wanda did, she kept pushing through. She put that whole barrier mm-hmm. by herself to get mm-hmm. to. And I think, again, that continues to show that this is Monica's strength. Monica's strength is in I don't give up on people. I understand who people are. And I do it through this introspective, quiet determination to support people to know things, to believe, right? And so I like that. That's her cons- her consistent kind of characterization, even through WandaVision, right? Caring about Wanda, not just wanting mm-hmm. to shut it down and shoot her like the sword wanted to do. She's like, no, let me talk mm-hmm. to her. Let me come in there. Let me see what she's thinking. Mm-hmm. She's doing in Marvels. Let me see what's going on first before I punch in and fight. She was very quiet, very introspective. You know, I think she's even the one that figured out that she wanted to use the sun, right? And that's why Darby mm-hmm. on Earth, right? And so it's like, I like her version of being a hero because for the introvert to feel like, man, I, you know, I don't speak up a lot. I don't do that. Monica shows us there's another way to be a hero, right? There's another mm-hmm. way. She don't have to spend the whole movie punching everything. You could spend the whole movie learning and getting the knowledge base together, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause uh, to be quite honest, we don't really often get stories talking. We get all the stories about like Arthur and uh, uh, Luke and so forth, but we don't usually get the stories about how did their mentors come into existence? Yeah, they're just always all wise and knowing. Them. <laughs> they just mm-hmm. show all the knowledge already. And equally, why is it that as the mentor, even if they are just as heroic and powerful as the uh, hero is, how did they learn that aspect of use the knowledge uh, to be do the observation as opposed to? punch your way through and such i know i was recent uh i was at big bad con here in uh this back in september and one of the games i'm playing in i end up being the sort of face character but because of where the initiative order is i was going towards the end and so i basically was sitting there watching all the other players play the game and do all the stuff that i'm supposed to do as the face (laughs) and i mean it's just amusing watching them flounder and flunder and it's like oh there's being successful and then it's like okay now it's my turn it's like okay after watching all of this guess what i'm going to do i'm not going to each individual character you did to do this no i basically as my character started playing music and started a basically a party going to get everybody into a good mood to ingratiate myself once they were in that place and not feeling that i was threatening or sticking my nose in their business, that's when I started pumping them for information. Look at you. But just that amusement is like watching all of these things do, watching them in their full respect to this, how they were trying to awkwardly try and do everything that my character was supposed to do. Right. Exactly. And I love the quietness of it, right? You just kind of sat back. You paid attention. 
watching everything. And I think you're right. There's not enough heroes who do that or those heroes don't usually get to the forefront or they don't get to be right huge. Um, I'll even say this. <clears throat> if you go all the way back to Infinity War, the mm-hmm. fact that one wanted Hulk to come out, but Bruce was like, "What well, I'm here, right? Everyone's like, where's the Hulk? Oh. The Hulk, right? Because again, that's that same, I think, thing that you just said, which is everyone wants the brawn and the, the strength and the come out, but they were forgetting Bruce Banner is actually really smart. He has like several PhDs. He probably could have helped a lot more if you had let him be the man in the chair than keeping him out in the... Mm-hmm. But because the mild-mannered identity, the identity that's observant, the identity that gathers knowledge is usually not the identity that we think is the coolest. I mm-hmm. love that Monica got to do that. She got to be a part of the team as the person who observes, right? As the person mm-hmm. who attention to everything and then makes the plan of action. Right. I love that now that's part of our 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 social our superhero narrative. We know that mm-hmm. you're like that now. Yeah. And as my cousin was pointing out, because he was watching us with this, he's like, Oh, this reminds me of Charlie's Angels. And I think about that as like, yeah, Lucy Liu's character was the the tech genius, was the one who's being the observant one, while um Drew Barrymore's and um oh, I'm blanking on her. Thank you. Uh, I can see her face. I can remember her name at the moment. Uh, were the more boisterous. They were always the ones getting the attention while all, all the while, other than the Barracuda scene, Lucy Zhu's character is always in the background. Right. Exactly. Right. I love that you said that. I didn't even think about Charlie. And now I'm going to go rethink about the match Charlie's Angels because I think that's yeah. it. Right. So you've got Kamala, who's kind of the fun fangirl. Mm-hmm. you got got... Uh, Carol, who's like the brawn, the, the you know, the brains, the, the military, right? And then you do you have Monica, who's kind of the observant, kind of you know, person in the chair, right? The, the gal in the chair, if you will, the tech person, who's like, yeah, I will figure out everything over here. And I love that all three of them work together that way, right? Even in the part, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up. Even in the part where mm-hmm. they finally did learn how to use it on um, Alderaan, Al- mm-hmm. name of it, the musical planet. Right, that that musical planet. Right, when they're fighting, they actually used it perfectly. Right, they were actually using mm-hmm. switching really well. And so I think, like, I love that the switching actually made us more aware of how important each of their roles were in the whole team. Yeah, because you also saw how they were trying not to also bring Kamala, who of course had the thing that was they want that was so important to our our vendor. Um, away from this as much as possible. And even there too, how Kamala with the help of the prince realizes how she can fight back even without having to necessarily use her powers. Right. See, again, another lens, how can I stay in the conf, I mean, in the space, but use other elements or other, other parts of my strength. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I would also go as far as to say, going to another of the genre series, a lot of the issues people had with Jodie Whittaker's doctor in doctor who uh in the two seasons to two or was it three seasons hey I, as long as the doctor's going i'm just watching right um but the aspect of this is not the uh the doctor solving every problem the way all the other male doctors have this is a female doctor solving the problems and also trusting in her companions yeah now you're making me kind of want to go. I'm not. Oh, I'm not a Doctor Who person, but now I, I actually forgot that they had a female Doctor. I know that they have a a black Doctor now. He's going to be the next one, right? Well, they have two actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's also been a female black Doctor as well. 
Wow. And that's all part of what's come up with Whitaker with the Whitaker's run as the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now we have to dive into that. I'll have to talk to you about that. Cause like I, I kind of, I think the last time I paid attention to a doctor, it was Tenet. Mm-hmm. So I haven't been aware of them since that. I knew that they had a female one. I knew that they did it, but I did not watch any of her episode. Look at you. Look at you. And I have not had a chance to read it either. What I'm holding up for, for those of you watching is a new book that also came out uh, this last month called the Doc- Doctor Who Psychology. Yeah. So it is done by Travis Langley and Kate Manning talking about the psychology that we see uh, in Doctor Who as well. Nice. That's the guy. He does a lot of those books. Uh, I think yep. I had his Batman psychology. <laughs> yes, I'm, I briefly met him during the comic Comic Con that I went to. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah. All righty. Well, I know we still got to get on with the rest of our day, and the rest of our clients to see. So it has always, as always, a pleasure to sit here and blurt out with you. Same, same. I love it. I love it. Yes, and we'll find the next one we can do of these as soon as we can. Sounds so, good to me. So thank you for being here, and like I said, shameproofparenting.com If you want to find more for. Uh, Dr. Mercedes here. Otherwise, this is Untying Knots, Minds and Souls and Tether. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family care therapist with you. Blurred and, well, just all around enjoyer of, of these genres. So stay tuned for our future ones, folks, and be well and have a good holiday. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.